Greetings and welcome to Own It and Talk It Out. I'm Helen Knoll, the CEO of Talk Story Incorporated. If you're enjoying my podcast, follow me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. When you click on my podcast, there should be three dots in the upper right-hand corner. Click the dots and an option should appear that says follow. When you opt to follow me, whenever I publish a new episode, you'll automatically receive a notification. All right, let's move right along here. Yesterday, I attended a bridal shower for my soon-to-be daughter-in-love, Andrea. It was a wonderful shower, nicely planned by her maid of honor, Angelica. And I'm somewhat tired today, but I'm going to go ahead and press my way through this. The month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Since 1949, the United States has been celebrating May as Mental Health Awareness Month, and the theme this year is Look Around, Look Within. From your neighborhood to genetics, there are many factors that come into play when you consider mental health. Unfortunately, mental health is still a stigma in the military as well as in the civilian sector. In this week's episode, I'm going to do what the theme says, and I'm going to look within to share the divinely inspired universal healing and restoration restoration message of my book, Seven Days in the Fire, and I'll also tell you how God revealed it to me. I've always had a heart for others, and because of that, I think I haven't always put myself first. My generation wasn't in the habit of asking for healing. The name of the game was survival, not healing. But God, in his infinite wisdom, knew I was a broken vessel, just like you. And I was in need of healing. So he did what only God could do. He healed me supernaturally through the writing of my book. And now that my nest is empty... This is my unapologetic season for soul care and self-care. Before I get started, let's have some moments of reflection. One of my friends, Kathy Nihi um, from Hawaii, had um, responded back to me and told me how much she was enjoying the podcast and how um, instrumental it was to her and just wanted to encourage me as well as um, several other people who I was stationed, I was stationed with in Hawaii, um, Mina, whom I worked with um, in the Airmen and Family Readiness Center. She had a, a lot of questions about the Rosenwald Fund Study, and she wanted to encourage me to stay the course. Another um, person that um, spoke on um, last week's pod- podcast was um, my brother Tone. He told me that he was very inspired by the podcast and just wanted to continue to encourage me to stay the course. So I appreciated all of my aloha um, family. Um, I appreciate your kind words and I will continue to do what God has given me. A few days ago, I received a call from my landscaper, Charles, in Kansas City. And he told me that the grass needed to be cut and there was debris that needed to be, be needed to be removed from the property. And his call prompted me to reflect on the last time that I was at Mother Helen's house in 2007, 
the weekend of the Nelson family reunion. When I was a child, I looked forward to attending the reunions with Daddy and the rest of the family. And when I was stationed in Florida, when I wrote Seven Days in the Fire, on the seventh day of being in the fire, I had a heavy spirit on, on, that had come over me. And on my way to work, I knew that the enemy was trying to take my life. I went to the office and I remember telling my supervisor that I needed to go to the chapel to pray. And I also called friends and family members and asked them to pray and fast with me when I was on my way to work that morning. While I was in the chapel, I, I saw a vision of my knee being healed. And the Holy Spirit spoke, heal the body slash church. Keep that in mind. Heal the body slash church. Several months later, I planned to attend the Nelson family reunion in Kansas City with my, my young men, Tyrell and Tavares, because my husband was out of town. And before I left Florida for the reunion, a minister prophesied that someone at the reunion had something for me. Prophesy or prophesy, lie, you have to test the prophecy. Needless to say, I went to the reunion in expectation. The reunion was absolutely wonderful. Mama, Benita, and Daddy all attended, and I saw family members that I hadn't seen in so many years. And I also met up with several of my girlfriends, Twaina and Tanya. Twaina spent quite a bit of time talking to my Uncle Nathan at the reunion, and after she um, got finished talking to him, she shared with me that he was really kind and had a, a genuine spirit. The day after, re after the reunion, Tanya and I went by my Uncle Israel in Aunt Ernestine's house in Kansas City, Missouri. And Uncle Israel shared a lot of information with me. But I, I left full but empty of the fulfillment of the prophecy. Then I called Uncle Nathan and I asked him if I could come by the house and he said yes. Uncle Nathan still lived in Mother Helen's house. This is, is an excerpt from chapter 17 of my book that I want to read to you about what happened when I was at Uncle Nathan's house. I thought I was finished writing this book, but the Holy Spirit revealed he had more to say. Revelation is chapter 17 of my book, and it's the last chapter of the Bible, God's book. So I named this chapter my revelation, and it's the finale. To God be the glory for all the things that he has done. On August 22nd, 2007, Mother Helen's house went up in flames, and in the natural, my Uncle Nathan Nelson's earthly body perished in the fire. John 3.16 of the NIV Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Uncle Nathan was a preacher. Therefore, I rejoice, because I know that I'll see him again on Judgment Day. Can we talk story? While stationed in Virginia around 1997-1998 time frame, I watched a movie called Down in the Delta, directed by Maya Angelou. 
The movie spoke life to me. It signified the importance of family history and the need to talk story from one generation to another. In the movie, a silver candelabra named Nathan was the family heirloom, another name for a conversation piece that ignited the talk story flames. The candelabrum initially belonged to a slave owner who had exchanged a slave named Nathan for it. Nathan's son Jesse witnessed the slave auction and one day Jesse stole the candelabrum off of the master's fireplace mantle. Nathan's legacy was passed on from generation to generation. And the word says, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts in Psalms 145 and 4. My heart's desire is to finish a project I started on my family genealogy. Approximately two weeks before I attended the 2007 Nelson family reunion, my brother in Christ, who has the spiritual gift of prophecy, revealed that one of my uncles at the reunion had some information to share with me. He said the information would connect some of the pieces of my story. I went to the reunion inspired with the expectation of a blessing. The night before our return trip home, I had some unfinished business to finish. My uncle Israel, daughtery, invited my sons and me to the house. My girlfriend drove to see me from McConnell Air Force, Air Force Base and we decided to go by my uncle's for a visit. Upon arriving, he shared some information with us about the Battle of Armageddon, as well as some significant numbers in the Book of Revelation. Although I was grateful, his information didn't connect any pieces, so we returned to the hotel and my girlfriend departed. My girlfriend departed, um, and I, I stayed. I ended up going to my uncle's. So my sons and I continued on our journey to Mother Helen's house. Uncle Nathan inherited the house after my grandmother died in 1995. When I arrived, the house appeared smaller, the sidewalk was shorter, and the porch wasn't nearly as high as I once remembered it. When we entered, the front-loaded wood stove with the chimney connector still extended through the ceiling in the living room. Uncle Nathan had taken care of Mother Helen's home, adding and preserving it with respect. Although Mother Helen was with the Lord, you could feel her presence in the house. Newspaper clippings and scrapbook items were scattered throughout the front rooms. I explained to Uncle Nathan my desire to complete the family genealogy and asked if he had anything of significance that belonged to Mother Helen that he could share with me. He explained that after Mother Helen died, family members came by the house and took most of her possessions. He said, I do have something for you. Uncle Nathan went <clears throat> excuse me, into the dining room, sifted the, through the clutter, and retrieved two scrapbooks that belonged to Mother Helen. He passed them to me, and I sensed they were the missing pieces of my story. As I carefully opened the cover, inscribed on the first page was, Mrs. 
Helen Nelson's scrapbook, bought August 1963. Contained within the first pages was the original newspaper clipping of my great-grandmother Emma Reed's obituary. On the same page was the last letter Mother Helen received from her mother before her mother's death on June 22, 1963. The letter was in its original envelope with the five-cent stamp on it, dated April 19, 1963. It was obvious that Mother Helen's seed of excellence was her mother's legacy to her. I discovered my roots through my great-grandmother, Emma Reed, born in 1885 to my great-great-grandparents, Minerva Strickland, a slave, and George Alexander. I sat there in Mother Helen's living room, like a little girl in Mother Helen's garden. I envisioned myself lying in her bed and waking up to her sweet voice as it whispered, Rise and shine, sunshine. Uncle Nathan shared intimate details of his life with me. He said his inability to speak eloquently often caused people to overlook his instruction. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. We are all members of one body, the body of Christ, and Uncle Nathan's words were revelation knowledge to my ears. The power of his tongue spoke life into me, and I took extensive notes about our family. We talked story about the goodness of God. One thing he shared was his God-given spiritual gift of the word of wisdom concerning death. He said God forewarned him of the death of Daddy Nelson and Uncle, Uncle Vernon. He said it was as if God was preparing him to handle death. And I revealed to him how God birthed this book. And when I mentioned the name of my book is Seven Days in the Fire, tears began to stream down his face almost like streams of living water. I didn't feel a need to question his tears because it appeared he was crying unto the Lord. They appeared to be tears of joy, not pain. When I left Uncle Nathan, words could not describe the treasure in my possession. I took several pictures of the house before I departed, and as I walked towards the car, The Holy Spirit had me take one last glance of the house, and he said, Restore the house. It was an awkward feeling because at the time, I didn't fully understand the significance of restore the house. I could hardly wait to get back to the hotel room and read the letters written by my great-grandmother. In one of the letters, She thanked Mother Helen for sending her $2. In another, she mentioned ironing all of her clothes one day. In another letter, she mentioned her garden. All the letters are in the original envelopes. I have seven letters from my great-grandmother.
The oldest letter is 64 years old, dated April 26, 1943, and has a three-cent stamp on it. I also have a letter from Uncle Nathan to Mother Helen, which he wrote while he was in the Army, dated July 6, 1960. The scrapbook contains a postcard from Mother Helen's baby sister, my great-aunt, Mildred Reed, dated May 18, 1942, and it has a one-cent stamp on it. All the treasures date before I was born on November 24, 1964. When I returned to Florida, I couldn't wait to share the good news about the treasure in my possession with my favorite cousin and other family members. I praised God and rejoiced in the fact that God and my Uncle Nathan entrusted me with the scrapbooks. I mentioned to my niece that I desired to restore Mother Helen's house if the opportunity ever presented itself. Additionally, I said, if Mother Helen's house ever caught on fire, it would go up in flames because of all the newspapers, historical documents inside. After meeting with Uncle Nathan, I would occasionally ask the Lord if I needed to return Mother Helen's scrapbooks to him. On August 22, 2007, at approximately 3 a.m., Mother Helen's house caught on fire. I received a call from my cousin around 9 a.m. stating that Uncle Nathan died in the fire. The Holy Spirit had me look up the name Nathan, and it means giver in Hebrew. The newspaper clipping of Uncle Nathan's death revealed that when firefighters arrived on the scene and broke the door down, they faced intense heat and flames. Firefighters said they found him in the bathroom of the house. The bars on the windows and the back door were barricaded shut, which more than likely caused him not to be able to escape. One news station reported the flames were seen several miles away. Uncle Nathan's funeral was on Tuesday, August the 28, 2007. I couldn't attend, but my daddy, sister, and brother attended. My sister went by Mother Helen's house and said, most of the front burned to the ground, but there was a gold curtain that hung in his bedroom window. Uncle Nathan had an open casket funeral and several hairs on his head were singed. The program described him as an active member of his church who loved to sing. He enjoyed visiting elderly people and was always the first in line to help people. Lord knows we will miss you, Uncle Nathan. I desire to sit on Mother Helen's couch with him again to talk story. Uncle Nathan ignited a fire in me that will burn forever. He preserved the family legacy and gave me a double portion of the inheritance. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel, I have been through the fire of judgment. My soul is at rest because I came out as pure gold. Matthew 3.12 says, His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, 
gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The fire represents the shedding of old things, and with every trial and fire, there is revelation. God is finishing and completing what he started in 2007. In 2008, God will usher in new beginnings. Get your house in order. Hold on, my brothers and sisters. It's going to be all right. Revelation knowledge from God is powerful. After the house burned down, I purchased the land. And someday I intend to build a Nelsonville Get Back to Your Roots restoration house on it. I told you my dad's side of the family personally knew Simon Alexander Haley and his son Alex Haley. So getting back to your roots sounds appropriate. When I went home on leave in November of 2007, I shared information about my book with my Aunt Evelyn, and she told her friend, Sister Pearl, about it. Sister Pearl wanted to talk to me. So Aunt Evelyn, myself, and Sister Pearl were all together over one of Aunt Evelyn's friend's house so I could discuss my journey of writing Seven Days in the Fire. Miss Pearl specifically asked me, Baby, what's the message of the book? And I told her that God had yet to reveal it, but I would seek his face for clarity and understanding of the message. And when my girlfriend Bridget and I met up at a women's chief symposium weeks later to put the finishing touches on the book, Bridget shared that the message, messages in the book were universal because God was healing her through it. I began to seek God for the universal message of the book, and I kept asking God, why did you tell me to heal the body slash church? And why did you tell me to restore the house before it caught on fire? On November the 26th, 2007, Tanya's birthday, I was sitting outside my church and the Holy Spirit said, heal the body slash church and restore the house before the fire. I repeat, heal the body slash church and restore the house before the fire. Tanya has a heart of gold and we were stationed together in Vegas and her and Renee Lipscomb were gracious enough to construct the forward for seven days in the fire and it reads, This book is for anyone who has a soft and tender spot for family. Helen opens the windows of her heart and displays the many vessels that have made her the woman she is today. Although this book is from a personal account, the healing and restoration message is universal. God inspired Helen to write Seven Days in the Fire. At the heart of the book is a woman fighting for her life. During these seven days of spiritual warfare, God unfolds pictures of her past, the significance of each day, and visions of her future. Throughout her test, you will notice the love and concern that flowed in her home. Helen's faith in God provided her the strength and endurance to go through each day 
as she rehearsed generations of historical influences and present-day angels. Her perseverance from beginning to end motivates and encourages us to be strong. This book captures the very handprint of God through family members, events, and even setbacks. Some events are painful, some will bring joy, but nonetheless, they are vital pieces of her story. You will recall recall people who sheltered you through words of wisdom, correction, and encouragement in the midst of your storm. As Helen incorporates scripture in, he who has ears, let him hear. She provides the reader with nurturing fruit to increase faithfulness, purify hearts, and offer them a different perspective of servanthood. The scripturally based essentials, if applied, will edify mind, body, and soul. Family legacy and significant events. The little girl who pressed her grandmother's hair from the stove with the grease can and tea kettle on top. Shape and mold our character. Helen demonstrates that patience and forgiveness are critical character traits for kingdom living. She emphasizes the need to talk story and embrace one another. This book makes you want to spend more quality time with your children. They too are a part of the generational fiber that binds us together in laughter, love, and growth. You will be inspired to love deeper, help more, and discover your purpose. Bottom line. Seven Days in the Fire is a road through the pages of the mind that will inspire you to go back down memory lane. It will motivate you to remain faithful to your established foundation. Life lessons become more vivid, stair steps to who we are today. It inspires you to tap into your God-given gifts and abilities that have been dormant for years. Not only will you see your past, but also you will embrace your future with an ever-present assurance that God's outstretched hand is always reaching out to you. It's wonderful to experience love unconditionally. Unconditional love is freedom from bondage. That's a quote from myself that's in the book, repeated by Tanya Kitt and Renee Lipscomb. They both wrote the foreword to Seven Days in the Fire. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate you. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably dealt with some trauma. Look around you and think about how your trauma has impacted you, your family, and the communities you're a part of. If trauma is your story, change the narrative and make this your healing season. When do you intend to identify it, own it, and talk it out? The message, the healing and restoration message is universal. America is a traumatized nation and desperately needs healing and restoration. I read in my favorite book that judgment begins with the church. And God isn't going to send a flood next time. He's next time he's sending fire. 
Stay tuned for next week's episode of Own It and Talk It Out.